Oddworld Soulstorm is finally here and we're dedicating this week's episode of Indie by Design's Gaming the Podcast to the game, its themes and how brilliantly it sets up and communicates its world and the inhabitants within it. As you may or may not be aware, we, Stace Harmon, along with myself, John Robertson, are the authors of Oddworld Abe's Origins. It's a book which charts the art, history and themes of Oddworld from Abe's Odyssey all the way through to Soulstorm. It is, though I say so myself, a rather lovely and absolutely enormous tome that is full of official concept art and designs and features a giant 10,000 word plus interview with Oddworld founder and creator Lorne Lanning. You can go check it out via our website, IndieByDesign.net, or you can find your way there via our Twitter. We are at IndieByDesign. Okay, enough of a preamble. Let's get on with talking about Soulstorm. Oddworld Soulstorm has finally arrived, and it's here, and we're playing it, and I think my initial feeling is it's nice to have Abe back. I don't think I'd noticed, really, or realised how, how much I'd missed him. Um, I think specifically because he is quite unlike any other video game protagonist, certainly any other platform game style video game protagonist. And it's nice to have somebody around that's just a bit more, that's got a bit more meat to him. I think the... Good pun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, very tasty I'm a glucken glucken in disguise. Um, yeah. And it's, I think the, just right from the very off, from the very opening of the game, it's clear from, from Soulstorm, that is, it's clear that there's going to be a lot to get into. There's a lot to tackle. There's a lot of, a lot of themes, a lot of the stuff that the Oddworld games have touched on before. Uh, and I think it's nice just to have that front and center and to know that you're getting into something that isn't just a, you know, a fairy tale. Um, so long as you rescue the princess, everything will be good. So. How have you been getting on with it so far? Um, good, yeah. Um, so it came out, uh, you know, a couple of days before recording this. Um, and I've put in two, like, big sessions, basically. Um, and yeah, it is good It is good to have a back, like you say. And it's, it's, I mean, it's just instantly charming, isn't it? Like, his personality is, like, he's a character that you want to take control of that you want to see through that you want to uh, he's one of those people who like you just follow to the end of the mm. earth like just to see what they do that's another good part. like yeah. you know <laughs> oh yeah that was actually accidental <laughs> um i mean i mean that was totally on purpose and really good um yeah but on yeah no, yeah you you totally follow him just to kind of see what he gets up to you know and i think he's kind of he'd follow himself just to see what he gets up to because he doesn't really plan much does he like it just sort of things happen to him and he reacts to them um he's not like uh a leader with a grand vision, a grand plan for his people. He's kind of a reactionary kind of ter- terrorist, I suppose, in the Gluckin's eyes. <laughs> well, um, yeah, freedom fighter slash terrorist, depending on who, uh, which viewpoint you're looking at it from. Which, which in itself is interesting. You know, he's not, he isn't presented as this uh, out and out hero. He's certainly not a typical hero. He's kind of more of an anti-hero. He doesn't have have heroic qualities per se he like he does heroic stuff but he's not kind of out to do that yeah he doesn't like you say he doesn't have a grand plan he doesn't have like a oh i'm gonna take up the mantle of leader um yeah he doesn't have like a mission does he like he has missions given to him and like thrust upon him and forced upon him we always do kind of get the impression that he'd rather just like stay at home in front of the couch (laughs) watching tv if that was a thing yeah, and that, and I think that's what's been done very well um, right at the beginning of the game, and it's like it's very clear because it, it follows on directly from 
from the original Abe's Odyssey, uh, the events at Rupture Farms are, are very, is very clear and very apparent in everybody's mind, mm. uh, Abe and, and the Gluckens mm. likewise. Um, and yeah, as far as Abe's concerned, he's kind of, his job's done. Like, well, we've, we've escaped that terrible place. So we don't, why we don't need to do anything else. There is nothing more to do. The, the goal has been reached. And I think that's made very clear to him despite his repeated protestations. Like he's like, no, but can't we just rest? Can't we just like go and live in peace now? And clearly he can't, but he's very, yeah, very reluctant to take that on. And I think what makes him, what makes his behavior believable is that despite that, despite not wanting to do more, despite not wanting to take on that role, he nonetheless kind of can't help himself on an individual basis. He helps out individuals that he finds and that are in trouble and that need help. Yeah. And it's just that he keeps doing that. He can't like let any one single individual like be left behind um, unless yeah. you make him do that. And so, and then, so then those individuals build into this kind of collective and this collective becomes a movement. And then, he is inadvertently a leader without yeah. meaning to be or without wanting to be. And I think that's a, that's a very refreshing thing to see in video games. It's, it's very often that you are the hero and yeah, well, the game, you know, that's what you're builds, do. yeah, the game builds up or the series in general, actually builds up Abe and the game through intimate interactions first. And mm. then, and mm-hmm. then that builds into a grander thing afterwards, rather than just saying, and now here is the grand theme of, the character yeah. and their and their existence in the world and now all of their actions is are determined by this it's kind of the other way around like this grand yeah. theme is built through the individual actions over time um yeah, yeah i think it's into like the game so like, the, the whole series is super theme heavy um and that is one of the things that makes it so interesting aside from like the gameplay which is kind of unique as well but you know we can talk about that in a in a sec but um yeah it's those it's those themes and i guess with abe's initial reluctance to be the hero it kind of asks but then eventually kind of does and in in a sense mm. has no choice um he's, he's kind of too weak to say no <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. but it's but it's all, but it's also um I guess it also opens up that question of if you're the only one with the power to positively affect a situation do you then have not just a responsibility, but like it's your, it's mm. like you have to, like you can't mm. say no. Or if you want to be a good person, you want, you yeah, can't say You have say a moral no. obligation. Yeah. It's beyond just, yeah, being heroic and doing it for a claim and doing it because it's. Yeah. Because the, the absence yeah, of doing it is, could potentially yeah. in, in and of itself be an evil act if you're the only one that can do something about it. Like, yeah. You don't get and Abe to repeatedly not do it. is, it seems. Despite yeah, he doesn't want to be, but he just repeatedly is, and he does he does take it up. He has, he is this kind of yeah the unwilling hero character, and that gets him into of course a lot of trouble. Uh, we've seen that uh, in the previous games, and we're seeing that again uh, here in Soulstorm, and it's it's trouble that he is really not on the face of it, not equipped to deal with mm. either in terms of like his physical attributes or what he is capable of doing. Like in you know on its most basic level. In hand-to-hand combat, he's completely useless. It's, yeah. If he, if a slig sees you, particularly in the early levels, slig sees you, then and you're on the kind of you, you can't hide anywhere, then you're dead. He's going to knock you over and shoot you, and mm. and you're dead. So it's very much about kind of 
yeah, subterfuge and sneaking around and running away sometimes. Like that's that's how you overcome some of these things. Um, yeah, well, that makes him more likable as well, doesn't it? Because it makes yeah, him more, more relatable. Relatable, sure. yeah, because it's uh, he's not answering every question down the end of a barrel as mm. or or by jumping on someone's head or whatever you know whatever they do in platformers um, yeah. throwing a green shell at someone um yeah so so you have to use more to use sort of game design sort of terminology you have to use different verbs in order to get through your scenarios um mm. and i think that is one of the nice things about the game in general is that it does play on a lot of those verbs that are that were obviously a new and tasty, but were in the original games. Um, mm. And it and it sort of doubles down on a lot of those. Yes, the game does have new elements to it, new ideas, but it does double down on a lot of the actions and verbs that you um, that were familiar from um, the previous game. So it's got this kind of retro feel to it, but it's all presented in. Um, this new package with some new design elements added with visuals that are really, really good. Like te- on the technical yeah, level, they're good, is. but on the art, on the art level, especially on the design level, they the just, it just looks yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. Uh, yeah. And I think that's something that I've noticed. There's much more of a sense of world this time, not just because it's, there's a, a bigger or a, a more, um, it's more technically able to throw more bodies at the screen or have more going on, but just because of that art direction, there is more, it feels more of a, a lived in thing and things like the blimp level where it's bringing in some of the airship stuff that we've seen piecemeal in other games. Um, and now that's kind of front and center. Like that is a very visual and dominant representation of the uh like the ruling classes power yeah. over these things that are just scrabbling around on the on the ground you know they're just running around in yeah. the shadow of this huge this huge thing this yeah. huge corporate machine yeah there's that and then there's like when that's also sort of brought home as well when you go to this one minor spoilers but there's a level where you're on a giant train mm. and you're shooting through the landscape and again yeah like that's um that just shows this incredible dominion over the lands mm. that the Gluckens have um, and the Sligs kind of patrol and enforce that the Mudokans, the Mudokans, whatever, <laughs> in whichever mm. one, uh, whichever is correct, Mudokans, I think Yeah, we, we talked about, we've um, been, John and I have been saying Mudokans our entire lives, but uh, when we spoke to, to Lorne Lannan a few years ago, um, it was very clear that it was it was not Mudokans, that's yeah, not the correct Still a saying. tough habit to break. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, so, um, no, absolutely. You're constantly reminded through the art direction and the design of the world, just how, how, uh, like this incredible disparity of, um, of wealth and power and ability to influence everything around you that exists between the different races in, Mm. in the game. Um, which is, you know, that that kind of unequal, uh, that um, uh, disparity, that inequality is one of the main themes. I wonder what what do you think are the biggest themes in in the game or in the series? Because I know there's lots of themes that are in there, but different people seem to pick up on different. Like some people think that like the series or the game is pro, is pro, primarily a comment on environmental destruction other people think it's corporate greed other people think it's you know that inequality between 
different class groups. Mm. Um, yeah, I think for me the thing that always stands out is the 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 juxtaposition, but also the very intimate coupling of like the industrialized Oddworld and the 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 free Oddworld, the kind of the wilderness of Oddworld. And I think some of that... Well, it's almost like then, the pure Oddworld, like the uncorrupted by yeah, greed, corporate. But that, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily, to me, it doesn't necessarily just mean better. It's not like, oh, it's the organic Oddworld, therefore it's, you know, it's the tastier yeah. Oddworld. It's the uh, it's the purer Oddworld and that that is therefore a good thing. Um, yeah, I guess I mean but, pure is in unchanged rather than yeah. like, original, I suppose, is a better yeah. word than... And I think, and that that highlights that disparity that you were just talking about. It highlights that. But what I think it's quite clever in doing is that it shows me some of the mindset of like the Magog cartel and mm. the Gluckens and the Vi- the Vikers as well. And it, like, I can see how their mindset could be could look at other species on Oddworld that don't have those huge hulking machines and don't have that power to impose themselves on the environment and i can see well, how and intelligence they can... from their perspective as yeah well. exactly yeah the, yeah just the actual withdrawal to be able to put these things together and do these experiments and create these machines i can see how they can then look at those other species as lesser because it's like well we can do this and you can't like how how can you how can they how can they kind of view them as equals why would they why should they even view them as equals when it's like well this is just this tiny you are in all senses of the word this tiny kind of species compared to our 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 trains and our factories and our domination and i think that that disparity i think is an interesting an interesting uh sort of lens to view that through because it allows me to it's not not just evil it's not just oh they're the bad guys it's like they are as far as they're concerned they're not they're imposing themselves and like why wouldn't they you know it's like yeah well i suppose there's an element of almost colonialism to that Mm, where mm -hmm. where a giant world power goes to another place and they see oh well this place doesn't have the technology and the wealth and the whatever dietary evolution and healthcare that we have and now it's our duty to um provide these things and in you know and in doing in the name so, of progress. in the name of progress, and also, by the way, we're just also going to take all the money under what <laughs> Yeah, from. and we're going to um, eat you. Um, and, you know, yeah, that's... we're going to control you forever. Um, so I suppose it's yeah, I suppose it's um, you could read it as a as a commentary on on that. I, I think one of the interesting things is the way that the way it sets up all of its different pillars with these inequality, with the technology, with the lack of technology, with you know all the things that we've spoken about and. And more as well, you know, destructions, destruction mm. of indigenous culture in the face of technological, cultural um, and, uh, progress. Um, all of the there's all these different pillars that are placed there, and you don't necessarily, in order to read things between them, it doesn't necessarily have to have explicitly been written into the mm. world or the script or the characters or the plot for you to make links for yourself like law and learning doesn't have to have said oh okay now this is a game about colonization for someone to infer and pick up that okay this is what this is what this game's saying to me and this is how i'm reacting to it so and i think some of that it feels like some of that comes from having mapped out those qualities for those different species because lorna's talked in the past about um 
how the intention was for each of the species to represent a particular theme or a particular um quality or they they would have kind of one thing that identified them as these are the capitalists these are the mm. scientists these are the whatever it might be like there's a they're wrapped in their core is wrapped in this yeah, ideal this of is this the is army. what they represent yeah. yeah and it doesn't that doesn't need to be explored wholly on screen if that exists somewhere and that that's how these things are created and so that when they're setting up power dynamics and relationships between, for example, the Sligs and the Gluckens, that then manifests itself on screen without needing to be explained through text logs and audio logs and whatever. Mm. It's just like, that's clear. And that that's consistent. That relationship is consistent. And if you as a creator know that that's what the re- the relationship is between those species or those characters, that's how you're that's just what's going to come through on screen because that's how you're setting up every scene, even if you're not doing it to send a specific message in that scene. It's like that's that's the dynamic between these species. And so when you know that, when you have that consistency, mm. that comes through all the time. And mm. and I think the 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 most one of the most interesting relationships between the species for me is Specifically, I suppose Abe. I was going to say it's the the Moodicans and the Sligs, but it's perhaps not. It's specifically Abe and the Sligs, because for for as good as Abe's heart is, and as kind of almost childlike in his naivety, um, he is also not above doing to the Sligs basically what the Gluckens do to the Sligs. Mm. Like he will quite happily and quite happily as in he takes joy in it uh possess the sligs and make them do things i mean it's quite horrific when like that notion of like invading somebody's mind controlling them making them harm themselves making them harm others (laughs) and then ultimately killing them and even sometimes taking sadistic glee in doing that or like i don't know if you've probably seen the or heard kind of the random Mm. barks that sligs have when the fire starts to spread around them. Mm-hmm. And if you either deliberately or inadvertently back them into a corner uh, and they've got nowhere else to go and there's fire in front of them, they're terrified. Like yeah. they are, they don't want, and you can choose to then kill them or just leave them trapped there. But Abe will sometimes laugh at that. Yeah. Like it, it, there's, there's not a, and so the subtleties of, of what's, of what we're perceiving on screen, I don't think abe does because in the very sort of childlike quality that makes him so that makes you as a player want to protect him and go along on the ride with him i think also means that he sees things quite black and white and takes that kind of almost childlike glee in you know sticking one to the to the bad guys as he sees them well he's not he's not a philosopher is he like he's not Not he's not gandhi in that like despite the (laughs) despite the violence being (laughs) bestowed upon him and his people like he still wanted peace and uh you know (laughs) non-violence martin luther king yeah um (laughs) i suppose yeah i suppose one of the one of the ideas there then is that um maybe that abe has been you know that violence creates violence and that the mm. violence done to Abe, let's let's say that if if he wasn't in born in rupture farms and he wasn't he wasn't uh, exposed to all this violence and his violent life and violence is all that he really knows. Let's say that he what then you know let's 
infer and pretend that like he wouldn't take joy in killing the slicks. Mm. But if the only communication he's ever had with them is violence, then you know the violence enacted upon him will then create violence in his own mind, and it's a totally yeah. normal thing for him to go through and it's a total normal form of communication for him to have with the sligs and so yeah. why wouldn't he be violent against them yeah. like they're like all, all that all they do they communicate through violence all the time so this is the language that they know and this is the language that they've taught him because essentially you know they would have they were part of his upbringing i suppose they mm. were some of the they were some of the people that raised him um and so why wouldn't, yeah. why wouldn't it be normal for him just to not even think about it? And like maybe, you know, not even not think about it, but actually take some pleasure in it as, you know, this is kind of what I was, re- not bred, I was raised to believe yeah. was normal. Um, and that's, a, that's another example, actually, of like the Gluckens being, I don't, deliberately perhaps, but it seems somewhat inadvertently clever in the kind of divide and conquer uh, theme, because they they oppress the sligs and they do horrific things to them and put them in these biomechanical like suits that they mm. can't survive without. They also oppress the Moodicans. and it's that thing of like if those two groups could just unite, they could overthrow the Gluckens probably quite easily because they have. I mean, the Gluckens, as the Gluckens we know, got are, you no know, physical. They, they've got yeah. nothing, no way they've of defending themselves power. beyond the sligs. So if they could, if those two oppressed groups could come together, they could overthrow the Gluckens quite easily. But they do a very good job. I think the the kind of the power dynamic and the just the the literal structure of a factory that um, that the Gluckens have set up mean that those two races naturally have this hatred, or at least this uh, this uneven relationship with with one another. One of them is oppressing another, and. Yeah, and that's kind of just a, uh, comes out of the way that the Gluckens operate. That kind of detached way of like, well, we're we're going to oppress these two groups individually. We're actually going to use one to oppress the other, and yeah. then they're going to build up this animosity, this, this hatred. animosity, yeah, towards each other, yeah. and kind of we're just sat in the background reaping the benefits. As well, as yeah, because I suppose do. there's there's an element of like you'll be safe if if the other two major groups are fighting each other and focusing mm. on each other. Well, then you're safe to just kind of get on with it and accelerate your own progress and do whatever it is that you want to do while they're caught up with squabbling squabbling with each other but then i suppose you could also argue that by by employing that tactic the gluckens are potentially oppressing themselves because they've got to work to make sure that that dynamic continues and Mm. there is an argument to say that well actually if they weren't oppressing each other um and they were all working towards something bigger and better then that would benefit you as well um but instead you've got two-thirds of the population fight or you know more than like yeah, two-thirds yeah. of the groups yeah. fighting each other whereas they could be you know either performing actions to help everyone or mm. at least putting more of their time into doing whatever it is to help you even and they do than... that out of fear right like i guess it's that thing of well we're scared we don't know it's the unknown we don't know would it work would we lose what we already have so let's just well, yeah, and go they down the hardest route. Yeah, and they weren't always powerful, were they? In the law, they were quite no. they were quite weak and downtrodden yeah. themselves, and it was that very downtrodden nature of their own existence that forced that that uh, that sort of taught them that 
uh you know might and control and taking all the power you can get whatever you can get it and never giving it up and fighting super mm. hard to keep it that's that's the correct way of operating that's the only sensible that's yeah. the only safe way that's the only way you can protect yourself by operating like that yeah. so and again that's that language it's that language thing isn't it as you were talking about with the sligs and and the mudicans as well it's like it's that if if that's what you know then that's how you that's how you see the world and that's how you then interact with it and yeah, for better or for worse. Um, and so clearly there are, I mean, within the first five minutes of Soulstorm, a lot of this stuff has been hinted at or revealed or just outright put in your face to say that there is stuff going on here. Like there is, this is a world that that is uneven in which there are very one-sided or lopsided power dynamics going on. And those headlines that you see at the beginning of Soulstorm, the newspaper headlines, I think do a great job of kind of showing that and showing the role that the the news in that sense uh, twists things. Or, you know, it's like this. none of this is objective. These headlines are written somewhere some, by somebody within the game world who has their own agenda and is kind of pushing things towards one way or the other. That Oh, no, it's complete nonsense that 300 Moodicans escaped uh rapture farms that's that's a complete fallacy or you know there was this heroic uprising and this is what happened and that's mm. yeah i like it's not i don't know that there are a lot of games that do that straight off the bat like here's a world in which you you're walking into this this is like yeah, what, yeah. this is what it really exists and the world building um kind of well yeah grows yeah. from that well like it's not a, it's not afraid to wear its politics and its moral mm. and social commentary um themes and questions and foundations on its on its sleeve where mm. and it's refreshing a lot of games for are, doing that yeah um, a lot yeah. of games are absolutely petrified of showing any kind of political or asking any kind of political questions at all whether you're taking one side or the other is besides the point really but mm. like sort of the just there's this fear of being political in any sense at all whereas i think whilst the gameplay and the systems and everything is one thing. I I think the thing that really draws me and has immediately drawn me right back into Soulstorm is 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 the themes of the game. It's the themes. It's the mm. interplay between them. It's the how the different characters portray those different things. How the world portrays that. All of that stuff. Like it's just such a rich, such a rich mix. Um, yeah. In this in in the game and and I think. I mean, I haven't completed the whole game yet, but so we'll see. But I think certainly up to this point, that's one of the things that I'm most pleased and impressed um, at at the mm. moment is that it is just it has you know it has it has embraced that element that was something you know as a much younger person that I also appreciated with the original games as well, the PS One yeah. games. Yeah, and it's there's a consistency. I mean, so Lorne has talked about. Um, the way that he sold the vision for Oddworld to Sherry McKenna many, many years ago. Um, and he did that through stories. He did that through setting out a story of this world and these characters rather than, and I think he does that in the same way that it's sold to the players as well. Like it's done through the stories and the characters rather than the things to do. And, oh, we should definitely do this as a project because it will be super successful. There's like a desire to say something and to express himself and to talk about things that 
in other way in other places would get like they'd be the the rough edges that would get sanded off because we don't want to we don't want to upset anybody or we don't this is going to you know if we put this through a focus group this is going to test badly or something like that it's oh, like there's yeah. there's something to say and and that is a you know he lawn again has, has uh been quoted as saying He's been quoted as saying in our book, in fact, <laughs> Abe's Origins. He's been quoted as saying that if you don't have anything to say, then you're impotent as an artist. And that's something that he was told when he was younger. Like he, as in that was said to him because he was, he was a yeah. background in fine art and he was drawing these amazing pictures. But the person, somebody he looked up to said that to him. It's like, well, you, but you, like you draw well, but you, you're not saying anything. Um, And yeah, that's quite a crushing thing to tell a creative person that they're not it's like that's great but it's it's empty it's like vacuous yeah. and that's well i think that's the difference between because i can see that that comment would upset a lot of people who create very beautiful nice looking things but they don't mm. have a message behind them mm. and it's like well well maybe that's the difference between arts and craft really like art mm-hmm. is the art of saying something like yes you could it's it's artistic to create an image that looks nice that there's an artistic talent there but the art is what are you saying like what are you asking what are you forcing people to engage with what are you what are you what questions are you asking them to forcing them to think about through if you to engage in this thing properly and i think that's yeah i think that's one of the interesting things about soulstorm like it does look really nice of course it plays nice but the most interesting thing about it is what it asks and it forces you to yeah. to question and forces you to uh think about yeah yeah and so yeah it is as we started with really it is nice to have a back it's nice to i mean whether or not you want to get into all of these themes or like the game doesn't force you to do this it doesn't it doesn't like put it in your face and say in order to engage with this game or get anything out of it you need to be understanding these themes you can just play it as a as a very good platform game that looks amazing and has a lot of just fun game things to do uh, but it's just made all the better by by what it says as well as what it does um so yeah it's very nice to have Abe back Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode and do come and tell us how you're getting on with Soulstorm via our Twitter. We are at Indie by Design and once again, do check out Oddworld Abe's Origins. You can do so via our website, IndieByDesign.net. The book is also available on Amazon and it's also available through select partners such as Game Tea, so do check it out. Otherwise, all the best and we'll see you again next week.